And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we are here talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. Winners of many games in a row, as many as six. Coming off a day off here on Tuesday, we are recording this. Me, Caitlin McGrath, who covers the team for The Athletic. Caitlin, how are you? I'm good. I'm home. I spent Mm. a lot of time in the Boston airport yesterday, more time than I anticipated. But I was just happy to get home. Just how traveling is this summer. It feels like you're always on edge. You're always ready for a delay. So I was completely ready for a delay. And I was just like, as long as there's not a cancellation, I am fine. I don't care how late I get into Toronto. I mean, I didn't want to get in super late, but I Were got there in. long lines at the airport in Boston? No. Or just flight delays? Just flight delays. And this one was not even, it was one of those weird days where it's, in Boston, it was calling for thunderstorms essentially like all day. And you're not going to have a thunderstorm that's going to last all day, but it's one of those things where you don't know precisely when it's going to come. So I think the first two delays were weather related because they were anticipating a thunderstorm, which I don't know if it ever came down around the airport, but certainly could have been in the area. I wasn't really seeing what was going on outside. So the first two delays, I think, were weather prompted. And then the third delay was probably a trickle effect of the weather, but I think it was something to do with like mechanical issue or some sort of airline issue with the flight that was supposed to be like the incoming flight, I guess. So all in all, like my flight was supposed to leave at 2.15 and I ended up leaving around six. Um, so it was about mm. four hour delay, which kind of kind of coming into it, I knew there would be some sort of delay because I knew what the weather forecast was. So I was sort of always anticipating a two hour delay. And then when it was kind of doubled, I was like, eh, this is inconvenient, but I'm still getting home today. And that's all I care about. Like, so I got home a little later than I wanted to, but honestly, it was still a it was fine. I got some work done in the airport. It all worked out. <laughs> I think I speak for everyone when I ask, how could Justin Trudeau do this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, I, I don't suffer from the long lines because I have Nexus. So if you're a frequent traveler, it's a mm. pretty clutch play. I got it. Funnily enough, I was very sort of lucky that I started the application process probably like maybe end of 2019. Like I remember traveling a lot in the 2019 season being like, okay, I need to do this for next season. So all in all, like I ended up having my Nexus interview like February of 2020. I remember like just squeezing it in. And then it was really lucky because like basically I got my card and everything like March 2020 uh, just before everything shut down. And so I didn't even get to use the Nexus card for the first like year that I had it because I wasn't traveling or like, and everything was basically shut down, but it's, it's come up clutch this year. So it's, I almost feel guilty when I go past all the people waiting in line. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have Nexus. Don't feel guilty for the plebs. (laughs) Don't feel bad. You attained your higher societal status by working hard to get there. Just like the Blue Jays worked hard to come up clutch 
against the Red Sox, clutchly hitting balls to fielders who were definitely unable to field them as the Blue Jays swept the Red Sox in spectacular fashion over the weekend, which is probably where we're going to start talking about this episode of Spin Rate, which we, of course, record twice a week. Me and Caitlin do it once a week, usually at the beginning like this. And then me and former Blue Jays all-star Ricky Romero talk later in the week about the same sort of stuff, but just a little bit differently. Because Ricky doesn't cover the team for the athletic. He used to play for the team. It's a very different vibe. Caitlin covers the team for the athletic, which, of course, you can subscribe to the athletic if you don't already at theathletic.com slash spinrate. Do all that stuff. We'll talk about the Blue Jays series. We'll look ahead what's coming up with this very interesting series against the St. Louis Cardinals, as well as the Detroit Lions Tigers. The Lions aren't coming in. That'd be good. The Blue Jays would win those games for sure. Tigers are on their way in. And we'll talk about some trade stuff, maybe a little bit of draft stuff, a little bit of, I don't know, breaking news. The Blue Jays have agreed to terms with Brandon Barriera, their first round draft pick, as reported by Jim Callis of Baseball America. So all the top guys are signed, which we could talk about, even though we just kind of did. That's all there is to say. But let's talk about the Red Sox series. The Red Sox defense and pitching and injuries, good for what ails you. If you're the Blue Jays coming in, riding riding relatively high after the All-Star break. Of course, they took three or four from Kansas City who were uh, depleted, uh, getting rid of what was in a lot of ways a lot of dead weight <laughs> left behind at the border when they, the Nexus Pass havers and, and vaccine card carriers who were able to come to Toronto, Blue Jays. Couldn't maybe get too high because that was such a depleted roster, although a lot of those young guys are big parts of the Royals' future. Beating Boston always feels good for a variety of reasons. Number one, they are uh, in the wild wild card hunt with the Blue Jays. Number two, they are the Red Sox. But the Red Sox played so bad and kicked it around, especially on Friday night, the spectacular 28-5 thrashing. Most runs the Blue Jays have ever scored. I believe it was the most runs the Red Sox have ever scored. Uh, just a truly allowed. historic night. Allowed, allowed, allowed. Five. They've scored more than five before. <laughs> now, the way that the Red Sox played just so piss poor all weekend, Caitlin, I wonder, I'm going to put it to you. Are there actual good takeaways that the Blue Jays can glean from this weekend series against this sad sack bunch of red stockinged gentlemen? Sure, I think so. And honestly, looking back at the Kansas City Royals series, I think that people probably made too much of them not scoring enough. I mean, they won three games. It's fine. They were also kind of, I don't want to say dragging, but it's at the end of a 90-plus game stretch before the All-Star break. They won the games they needed to. They got the key hits when they needed to. They pitched really well. Uh, It's fine. So coming out of the break really strong, though, is another good sign for the Blue Jays. I think that they, in that 28 to five um, game, they were hitting the ball really well, obviously, but they got lucky in some sort of bloop hits that were just falling. Everything was falling for the Blue Jays. I couldn't believe it. I mean, you have to be really lucky, I think, to score 28 runs. You also have to be gifted a few runs. And so the Red Sox certainly did that. They gifted them four runs on that one play with Ryan Tapia having the inside the park grand slam, which was just like nothing I've ever seen before, really. And uh, then there was the probably even bigger blunder that maybe got – um, swept under a little bit because I think the Grand Slam was more flashy. But when the the catcher, um, their backup catcher, missed that pop-up, 
And that would have been the third out of the inning. And the Blue Jays ended up scoring 10 runs after that play. Like Mm -hmm. that was, they scored 10 of those runs with two outs. And so just all in all, they certainly got a little bit lucky. And sometimes luck is the product of another team's bad defense. Um, So I think they were actually getting luck on like both ends, both from just balls dropping in in opportune sort of places, but also the Red Sox just playing really, really bad defense. And the defense, the bad defense continued all series long. Saturday game was actually kind of a tight, pretty decent game. Um, And you sort of expected that after a 28 run outburst. It was, we were joking before, like this game is going to be one nothing or like two one or certainly going to mm-hmm. be a sc- low scoring game you have Manoa out there you kind of know you're going to get a good outing from him uh they won four one that game basically it was three one the entire game then they got an insurance run in the, in the ninth there um and then the sunday game was also one of those games where the the red sox really kicked it around uh blue jays got lucky as well i remember a hit from vlad i think in the first inning where it like hit the third base bag and just like Get, had this very opportunist bounce. He ended up getting a double off a ball that w- was certainly not really a double ball, like not hit that hard. Um, and then the Red Sox, who were obviously playing without Devers and Trevor Story in their infield, they've got guys in their outfield that aren't, I think, natural outfielders. Um, Duran, I don't think, is a natural outfielder. Um, Jeter Downs, I think, is playing third right now. Uh, he's a rookie, right? So they are not mm-hmm. at full capacity there. Their defense is making that obvious. Um, so the Blue Jays were getting very, very lucky. But still, it was a very good series for them. I mean, can't ask for more. You scored 40 runs. I think that was a team record as well. Mm-hmm. And the Red Sox scored 10 runs. So you outscored them 40 to 10. Uh, that's a pretty big spanking. And the, honestly, the good product of it is that you push the Red Sox closer to sell territory. You mm-hmm. uh, increased, I think, the lead on them by about five games or so. I think it's four and a half now because the James were off and the Red Sox won last night against Cleveland. Um, so it's four and a half games. But you have the Blue Jays, another sort of, um, we'll talk about this later, but they've got some runway here again to maybe continue this win streak with an undermanned Cardinals team and a Tiger squad that just isn't very good. So one thing that Blue Jays did was they spanked the Red Sox, which is good for their standings. It's good for their record, but it also really, really pushed the Red Sox, I think, closer to that. Maybe they will be sellers territory or they won't be aggressive buyers, which helps the Blue Jays because it takes a team out of the running for maybe a reliever or two. Absolutely. Uh, there is, <clears throat> there's no shame in beating an undermanned team. Like they don't, you don't get half credit for winning games that, that maybe you quote unquote should have, have won. You know, they, right. they, and it's, it's what teams should do. Like, I think Ross Stripling said this, it's like when you, he, he said something like when you sense like blood in the water or whatever you attack. So mm-hmm. it was like, that's what you do when you have an undermanned team coming in from the Royals, coming in from the Phillies and you go to Boston and they're reeling, you take advantage. And the Blue Jays have not done that consistently this year in the first half. They played teams that they should, they've lost to teams they should have beat plenty of times. So the fact mm-hmm. that they're doing it finally, they continue to consistently do it. This looks like the team finally firing on all cylinders. It's uh, you. You're, you're damned if you do. You know when the Blue Jays lost, had that rough West Coast trip, and they lost what three or four to Oakland or whatever it was, and then they, you know, they, well, they got to beat that team. And then they beat a, t- a bad team. And you're like, oh, that's just a bad team. You don't get to have it both ways. <laughs> no. uh, the Red Sox are are a profoundly flawed team, I think, at this point, given all their injuries. 
that the the bad defense that the blue that they that the Blue Jays and the Blue Jays fans saw over the weekend is not an anomaly. I don't know if you saw that uh, John Boy like compilation of just the Red Sox kicking it around. I saw uh, uh, Michael Shore, of course, who you know is the showrunner for The Good Place and uh, and Brooklyn Nine Nine and a bunch of other stuff. Who Ken Tremendous on Twitter, who was talking about he he on his uh, anecdotally was like, why are there so many of these infield pop ups that get dropped by the Red Sox? And then that John Boy compilation's got a whole bunch. Bobby Dahlbeck kicking it around again. Miscast is the third baseman. Devers is not is a is a is got Vlad vibes in terms of like he's waiting for his opportunity to head over to first. You know what I, you know what I mean? And um, you know, Trevor Story is a terrific defender. He was like one of the league leaders in terms of uh, defensive runs saved and outs above average, uh, especially as a shortstop who's now playing second base. But he's hurt, and now then the next thing you know, there there they are out in the woods. So uh, the Blue Jays, you know, swung those swung the bats well, and and even I mean, even the ball, the the inside the park uh, grand slam, like Tapia hit that ball a long way. It's it's not exactly who he is all the time. Uh, Tapia, who is on an in, incredible heater right now, and like mm-hmm. just looking like a Really important figure uh, to the team. I think you can take a lot of, you know, what happened in the Red Sox series is is what happens has happened with him in you know writ large this year. He is a different guy, but not too different. I think is is key. I think the one of the big things with a guy like Tapia is he's only asked to do that which he is capable of doing. He's right. not asked to be an everyday guy. They put him in center field sparingly. Thank goodness he's not been great by the metrics in the outfield this year but he's just made a, a few slight changes but the number one thing and I, I was on with Blake yesterday talking a lot about this but you know the thing that Tappy is doing more than anything else is just hitting the ball harder than he has before yeah he's right? swinging he, he just, more I think he's swinging more um and probably a product of swinging more is uh, the Blue Jays have obviously shown him something about here's pitchers you pitches you should attack here's mm-hmm. Um, balls that you can hit hard if you, you know, swing at them. And I think early on, there was probably trying to, like, having that more aggressive approach probably took some time with him. And early on, you're just seeing a lot of swing and miss, maybe, because he's getting used to this new approach. But then you started to see him connect. And then you started to see him start to hit the ball harder than he's ever hit it. It's funny that inside the Park Green Slam ball, his initial reaction to it was actually, like, disappointed. He kind of... Mm-hmm. Barely ran out of the box. He, I think, I'm not. He afterwards he told me that, or he told us the reporters that he knew he got it on the barrel. He just didn't think he got it enough, which I guess was correct because mm-hmm. where the ball fell, it just missed going out of the park. So his reaction more seemed like it actually wasn't going to be that routine flyout where Duran was uh, positioned way further in. It was actually just Durant. such a strange. It was such a strange play because I think actually talking to the reporters afterwards and talking to like Dan <laughs> Shulman afterwards, it's almost like he got thrown off by the positioning of Duran. And I think a lot of people were quite confused because Duran at first looked like he almost looked kind of certain that he knew where it was, but then he put his hands up. But not sometimes when you see outfielders out there and they have no idea where it is, they are like flailing their arms. They are like really expressive. He didn't have that. He didn't look panicked, but I guess he was silently panicking. (laughs) But it, it was such a strange play. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Dan Shulman did kind of, or might have been Tabby on the broadcast, made, allu- made a, 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 alluded to that, that he wasn't like, help me, help me, help me, yeah. which could go to your point, which of, of being inexperienced in general and specifically in the outfield. Um, if you watch the replay, he started to run in at mm-hmm. one point, which I think, and I can't help but but feel like he, he might have been clocking Tapia's reaction. Maybe. So when Tapia is like, if, if he if he's not seeing it right away off the bat and he looks down and he sees Tapia like, if he sees him like, oh, and then start to go out, maybe that kind of helped to get in his head that this thing was a can of corn and he's going to go in, need to go in for it. But then it just kept carrying and carrying and obviously he didn't see it. And then, of course, a lot has been made about his reaction after the fact when he just yeah, turned around and started walking it, yeah. back to the ball. He, yeah, while, and it's uh, like his... his um media comments after were a little bit like well i didn't want to run into him i didn't want there to be a collision or but also like come talk to me once you guys try and catch a fly ball in the twilight or something like that which is probably doesn't go over well with boston media honestly um but (laughs) i i actually don't think it was like it's funny to wonder, but I don't think that it was gamesmanship with Tapia's reaction. I think he no, no, no. was honest in that, but it, I yeah, think like, to uh, your point, it might have mm. worked to his advantage unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe the ball was carrying, we saw a lot of balls go out. It was a hot day in Boston, mm. really hot, still hot at that time. So maybe the ball was carrying a bit better um, than it normally does, um, maybe because of the heat, the humidity, whatever it was. So that it, it just was like a perfect, perfect uh, I, no, disaster of things coming together <laughs> to make that to make that play possible. And Tapia is probably one of the few on the Jays that could run around the bases as quick as he does. He's pretty speedy especially when he's got the momentum going he just lets the helmet fly and just lets his hair come out and goes for it um mm. and he they, it was not even close i think they were fielding it and he was rounding like verdugo had it was fielding it in and tapia was running around third he didn't have to slide he slid for no, show course. but he could have run it he could have walked into home plate honestly he was it- he had it it's a long way out there, right? And the yeah. ball was in the air for a long time. And as soon as he realized that Duran had kind of lost it, he gave him that opportunity to really start to turn the Jets on. It took um, a weird it, bounce, too. It took, it bounced. I almost thought it hit the wall, but it actually mm. bounced 
in um, on the sort of edge of the warning track, then bounced off the wall. Kind of fans were quite close to it, and then it kind of just so it took a it mm-hmm. took a weird bounce as well. It was all in all just a strange play, and that whole that whole game was strange. I I remember it was very similar to last year when I was in Baltimore, and they had that game the where they were getting no hit until the seventh inning of a double. And then they scored game. a million runs, and then they scored eleven <laughs> runs in the seventh inning and won like eleven one or 11 I can't remember what the final score was but it was something crazy and then the next day they scored 22 runs so they ended up putting up like 44 44 runs in the span of two games or three games sorry um but two days crazy yeah uh but again just closing the loop on um on Tapia a little bit again I, I think I think that his success is maybe not reflective of who he is going to be moving forward, you know, in all, in all fairness. But at the same time, when you have a good team and you're also able to use guys smartly, mm-hmm. so not only is it a matter of, hey, you know, Ramiel, let's, let's work on these things. Let's work on you. These are the kind of pitches you can attack, you know, as you mentioned. But I think it's also a, they're in a good position where they can manage and put him in a position to succeed by picking good matchups for him potentially and not just left and right. You know, again, a guy like Tapia, I think about this is he's really free swinger. If you look at his, his, um, his uh, uh, swing percentage, baseball, yeah, well, and, and his chase percentage, right? His chase oh, percentage yeah. is in the first percentile, so worst among the worst in baseball, swinging that stuff outside of the zone. So if I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm the Blue Jays and I'm looking to, where can we get Tapia in that's going to bode well for him? Are we going to get a, get him in there against a guy, a starter in particular, who might, um, you know be all over the zone or, or who might who might be you know a bit wild or have good swing and miss stuff maybe not if i can avoid it maybe i'm going to get him in there against a guy who's going to be in and around the strike zone right a guy who's who's known to have good command so even though he's able to get his pitches where he needs them to go tappy is the kind of guy who can put the bat on the ball a lot in the zone mm-hmm. he's got a really high contact rate so because you don't have to play him every day because you're not relying on his production to carry the team and that's i feel similarly with kevin biggio where where again when he has his great three weeks we 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 are able to kind of forget who he is and what he can be and what he can't be. But when you're not asking him to be everything, even, you know, Santiago Espinal, love, great story, love that he went to the All-Star game. But the fact that those two are kind of still competing for playing time and the ability for to, to again, put them into good good situations and Biggio almost being the opposite of Tapia. Okay, you got we got somebody wild on the mound. Let's not put Tapia in there if we can avoid it. Let's get Biggio in there. Biggio's going to dare you to throw strikes while, while Tapia... Is is you know you you know he's you want him to to do the opposite. So again, just putting guys putting those kind of platoon or or like supplementary production guys in in position to succeed can really go a long way. And obviously, Tapia has kind of done gone above and beyond, and is just a really good fit, I think, because he's a little bit different. He's different than the rest. And mm-hmm. you know, we've seen you know so many of these of the Blue Jays who were struggling at the beginning of the season, kind of come into round themselves into form. Teoscar Hernandez looks great. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel continues his evolution as a hitter. Yeah, and then so here we are. What a what yeah, Chap- like Matt Chapman too. Like obviously he showed great signs early on that mm-hmm. you could expect this. 
I don't even call it a turnaround, but like just the better results are coming finally for him mm-hmm. um, because he just hits the ball so hard. I mean, he actually got it going for them um, in that Boston game. He was the one that hit the, I think it was a two run home run um, in maybe the second bomb. or third inning. I think it was the mm-hmm. second inning. Yeah, it was hit really hard. And you've seen him start to do that a lot more often. And this team is such a team, I think, built for the second half because. I mean, I can't necessarily put a reason behind it, but it just feels like maybe they've got a few slow starters. They had a tough schedule in April. They really were grinding early on. They had some tough luck, all this kind of stuff. And now it feels like it's early still in the first, or sorry, the second half, but it feels like this team, they did it last year as well. It's almost like they're, I don't know, they just seem to be a team built for the second half. I don't know if they just like thrive under maybe a little bit of pressure, a little bit of raise stakes a little bit of like okay guys like let's show show them what we're made of and they just start getting it going in in the second half yeah i i mean it it was more more than anything it was a matter of time i think and and that that as we get more runway and as those things sort of equal out and chapman's a great example of that where for however long for me someone who looks at the things that i look at and watches the game the way that i watch it chapman has looked fine he's as you've heard me say a million times he's hit up he he said it himself his his approach is very much like like gap to gap like he th- he's thinking about trying to hit it into the middle of the field and sometimes that can doom him where he hits it just in front of the fence where if he had if he had made a similar kind of contact but pulled it a bit more it's in the seats but He's just been producing consistently great contact and and having a good approach. He still strikes out, you know, a decent amount, but yeah. finally but he now walk, what he we're walks seeing, too. he does walk, walks as much as anybody on the on the team, other than other than Bijou, of course. But like finally, the results are kind of coming more in line with the process. Mm-hmm. And and you know, when you have talented players like the Blue Jays do, that's going to happen. And I mean, sure, floors and ceilings can kind of adjust along the way. Um, you know, guys aren't who they are, aren't as good as they can be for as long forever. Things change, their body changes, their, their physical, you know, you get injured, you bat slows, whatever it might be. People kind of get a, get a better read on you, whatever it is. But, you know, at the end of the, right now, we're seeing on the balance guys like Gurriel, guys like Tasker Hernandez are closer to who, what we would have expected them to be. And right. even if you are a, you know, an, an 880 or an 850 OPS guy, you're not going to get like that on the first week of April and stay that way. Like, no, the only person who's that consistent is Mike Trout, right? Mike Trout's the only guy in all of baseball who doesn't have down years and down months. He's just fucking hurt all the time. But like, everybody else has has variation. Everybody else swings and up and down and up and down. And it's just how the game goes. The Blue Jays have enough players that they're able to, to counter that. And the one thing I'll see this, uh, somebody uh, on Twitter, this uh, dude named Bray, uh, you know, right now the Blue Jays who are under, we've classified them as underperformers. You and I were having these conversations and, but like they rank first in average, they rank first in hits, they rank second mm-hmm. in total bases, they rank second in OPS plus, third in weighted runs created plus, third in OBP, third in slugging, third in OPS, third in runs, fifth in home runs. Like, and that's overall. So that's taking yeah. into account where they were awful in April and half of May. They really didn't start turning their offense on until mid-May-ish when they went to that. I think it was against St. Louis, actually. They had this game where Danny Jansen hit a home run and they scored, I think, eight runs or something. And they started flowing from there. That's kind of the mark where you could look at their offense. But they still had a down period again 
basically right before the All-Star break where they on that West Coast trip where they really weren't getting the big hits and they weren't swinging the bat really well. That all those numbers take all those down periods into account. So that if you isolate, if you do isolate the periods where you're they're really hot, which is not fair to do. It's you're picking endpoints and all this kind of stuff. But if you did want to isolate those, then they're just the among the best. Like they're always in the top one to two to three. Um, and sometimes they're the top team. But overall, like even with their really down periods, the offense is very, very good, as good as we thought they would be. And that's also not having Vlad and Bo being at their absolute peak levels. Mm-hmm. And and that's okay. I, I, I've been, I think about, as one would expect, I think about Vlad a lot. And I think about <laughs> what he is and what, what he can be. And, and, what to make of his season because it is disappointing with a lowercase d a very small like micro font d mm-hmm. and, and it's white the the, the word disappointment is written in white on a white background it's oh, there invis- but you can, it's invisible ink you need yeah. those special like markers to like mm-hmm. un- unveil it speaking of this if you're listening to this and you're looking for a job Here's a here's a here's a dirty trick that you can use if you're looking for a job. On your resume, at the end of the resume, take the the job posting itself and copy it and paste it into the back of your resume and then put it all in white and in and in small font. That way if you submit your resume online to a place that has like an automatic resume tracker, it'll ping all of the right boxes so it'll, you'll get through those resume catching services it's a little bit sleazy and, and if you if someone catches you it might not go over so well i've never done it but it's a worthwhile thing if you're out there really grind and trying to find your way through but you're having a hard time getting through those automatic uh, applicant tracking systems so word to the wise do that but vlad what what's what is his weighted runs created plus right now like 130 uh, right, like he, around that, he's had a good. He had a good weekend um, in Boston, so it might be a little higher. He had a four hit night or four hit day on Sunday, and right. uh, he was contributing obviously to that twenty eight run outburst. So it might be a bit he, higher, but he's like he's in, in a way he's like the Jays, you know, across the board where his weighted runs credit plus right now is one thirty four, okay. where. It's good. He's good. And this is the thing we've been saying before the Blue Jays went in and just beat the living snot out of the Red Sox. But it's like it does. They haven't hit fifth gear yet. They, yeah. they, they and, and I, I've constantly referred back to the 2015 team where they just showed up and they, you knew they were going to win. They knew you, they were going to win. The other team knew they were going to win. They knew they were better. They were better in every facet of the game. And then they went out and showed it. Now, the, mm-hmm. when the Blue Jays beat up on the Red Sox, it was like the Red Sox weren't up to the task. Right, the Red Sox, and I hate this as a cliche, but like it felt like the Red Sox lost those games as much as the Blue Jays won them, just because they just played so bad and just kicked it all over, and everything about it was just pathetic. Truth be told, if it was me, if it was me, I'm firing the manager of that team. If I'm the Red Sox, (laughs) no, honest to God, they can't play like that, and you can't keep running them out there. Nevertheless, Vlad is like that. And Vlad and the Blue Jays, where it's like, he's good. He's a really productive player. If you told me he had four hits the other day, I would not have believed you. If you told me that he's, he's, he's you know, uh, among the best first baseman in the game right now, I wouldn't believe you. But he is. Like, this, yeah. the, the numbers, if you look at the production by position, the Blue Jays' first baseman are, like, third in baseball for wins above replacement. They're right there. It's crazy. 
but it doesn't feel like it's all the way there because he ha- they haven't had one of those runs. He hasn't had one of those runs, and and maybe the Blue Jays are launching into it now, where he just you know he's going to get a hit, you know he's going to hit the ball over the fence, you know he's going to pound it somewhere. It's just not quite there, and it's still good. And so if he finishes the year with like a 140 weighted runs created plus or a 130, like a like a 900 OPS or an 880 OPS or you know 350, 360 weighted or on base percentage, that's that's still good. Mm-hmm. He's not going to do what he did last year always, but it's just you. It's so abundantly clear that he's capable of it that yeah. he just I'm just waiting and waiting and wondering if it's if he's going to get on one of those runs or if he's just going to kind of keep going like he has this year which is at the end of the day fine because the, as we've just said they're such a good team but man what would it feel like what would, how nice would it be for blue jays fans to see him go off like we like he's so abundantly clear and capable of and just like making him just that incredibly feared force in mm-hmm. the in the beginning of the lineup yeah, we saw a little bit of it in June. He had a pretty good June where he was hitting the ball. He was finally hitting – I think he had nine home runs in June, and that was just behind mm-hmm. um, Aaron Judge and uh, I think Kyle Schwarber for like the most in the majors. And the, the thing that he's doing now that I've noticed is he's hitting his singles again. And the thing with Vlad is sometimes he hits the ball too hard that it is – it could be a double, but he hit it too hard. So it's actually just a single. Um, but he takes, a, he takes a singles. He did that a lot last year. I think that that was overshadowed, but that's why he had such a high average because um, he looks like a power hitter and he seems like a power hitter because he hits the ball so freaking hard. And he does, he had a hot lot of home runs, obviously last year leading the majors in them, but he also hits a ton of singles and he gets a lot of, sometimes he gets a lot of infield singles or just singles that sneak through the infield because he just hits the ball so damn hard. So he's, he's starting to do that a little bit more that, like you said, the four hit game, it kind of goes, goes unnoticed. He got a little bit lucky in one of those hits at least, but um, that's what he's starting to do. So I wonder if that's the beginning of it and maybe you're going to see him have a really big August or something like that. Um, the last thing I'll say is that the Blue Jays are a team, like a very like vibey team. And that like once they sort of get on a roll, um, I think they're a team that could kind of keep that running. Now, one of the issues is they haven't been able to do that this year because they just haven't had their positions going at the same time. And that's been mm-hmm. sort of the one thing that from coaching staff to players, that's what they've said is that when their pitching has been good, their hitting hasn't been coming through. And when their um, hitting has been coming through, their pitching has faltered. And this last run has been where they're it's coming together more and that's been why they've been winning so comprehensively and they've just been looking like they like against the Red Sox it wasn't that they just out hit them which they certainly out hit them they out defended them they out pitched them they just outplayed them completely and that's the key for these Blue Jays is they have to outplay teams and they they have the ability to do it in all facets of the game the offense is always going to be the headliner more or less especially when you put up 28 runs or when you outscore a team 40 to 10 but the pitching was really good in that Red Sox series. Manoa pitched well. Stripling didn't pitch super deep into the game, but he did his job. Um, It was really hot that day, and the Blue Jays had a bullpen full of relievers that needed work. And obviously, Kevin Gosman pitched fine. (laughs) He had quite a big cushion, so his 
outing completely got overlooked. Um, and he grinded yeah. a little bit, but he but did. That's overall, what I was going to say. He he didn't pitch great, right? He, no, because like, last time against the Red Sox, he railed like steamed every them, time. Really every time over. against yeah. the Red Sox, he's been great. <laughs> that was his worst start, but then the Blue Jays scored you know twenty five runs for him in the first five innings. So that's gonna mm-hmm. that's gonna do it. <laughs> More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Another encouraging sign for the Blue Jays was like, obviously most of, some of it was in the lowest of low leverage, but like the relievers also had a good weekend. Oh yeah, you know, the like relievers tra- tra- have been good. Like Trevor Richards, even Trevor Richards, right? Trevor Richards was on a great little stretch and then he gave up. He pitched well, but he had like two very hard hit balls sort of like sandwiched around. One went out, one was to center field and kind of like, was that, a, that was a triple, right? But like, um, he looked good. Even Jeremy Beasley, Jeremy Beasley was who came in and, and, and had the chance to, to kind of mop up some innings in the, in the big blowout. And I was, I was begging my out loud in my, in my family room, like just, Jeremy Beasley, do the job, man. Just come in there and do a job, and he did. And 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 uh, you know, shout out to him for doing it, for coming in. He, he threw was, three he, innings. He was very like three true outcome because it was he either striked out guys or they homered off him. I'm not sure that he had any other result. There might have been a couple ground outs or something, but it was mm-hmm. like strikeout, strikeout, home run, strikeout, strikeout, home run, strikeout. He pitched two innings, three innings, gave struck out five, gave up two home runs, and I think a single. <laughs> A single ground ball, but uh, to, 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 to your point. But yeah, and like David Phelps, David Phelps had an okay outing the one time he went out, but like, again, did did the job. Did the job, yeah. Yeah, and and that's all you can ask for. And, and you know, you were, they were able to get, get Meza Romano looks back in. on track, right? Mm-hmm, Meza look, mm-hmm. has looked better. Garcia's been excellent for them since he's basically the whole entire season. He's been excellent for them. Um, Simber's also been excellent for them and they've been doing the job. Of course, the bullpen is going to look a lot better if you added a few more arms, which is what we're going to be 
talking about a lot this week, I think, as the trade deadline approaches next mm-hmm. week. I think a week from now, right? It's next Tuesday? The second, yeah. The second. Yeah. So, which is interesting, a little bit later, obviously, because of the uh, the lockout that delayed the start of the season, which feels like 1,000 years ago at this mm-hmm. point in, 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 the, in the proceedings. But... That's going to be the big a big focus and something, of course, we we will talk about and look ahead to uh, coming up. There's lots of hot and heavy rumors and uh, you know what's the state of the thing. The big the big piece, of course, is the Juan Soto, which I am I have I said it before and I'm going to say it again that I do not think that Juan Soto will get traded at this deadline. I think it's too big, and they don't have they can't screw it up. So to, to rush into it would be foolish. Um, but there, there's not like a ton out there. I think, you know, someone's like, Hey, what do you, who do you think they should trade for? And I was like, uh, uh, I, I don't know, because I think a, a lot of us tend to think in kind of the very rental binary sort of thing, like who's a free agent at the end of the year. So Martin Perez's name starts to come up, uh, which I, I think uh, Jeff Passon said, he doesn't think he's going to get traded. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who are some of you know, the other, the Jose Quintana, who, who's an interesting, interesting name, but a guy who's kind of been up and down and was underrated for a while, then got traded and then was overrated and here and there and everywhere. Uh, I was, you know, like a lot of people probably kind of picking the bones of the Red Sox over the weekend, being like, Hey, that Nate Evaldi, he's a free agent at mm-hmm. the end of the year. That's the kind of guy that the Blue Jays could, could make some use out of. And especially as you look ahead, if the Blue Jays are, hoping to make a deep run he's a guy who's pitched out of the bullpen in the playoffs before which is you know when you don't need off when you don't need five starters but you don't want to you know if it was Hyunjin Ryu who was still in the mix as a fifth starter he's the kind of guy who maybe you don't given the way he's produced maybe you don't even put him on the roster but when you've got a different kind of starter uh, is it is is uh, gives you that opportunity to move them in the bullpen to kind of give you some different looks to be a long guy here there and everywhere so I don't know. What are the names that, that you're kind of looking at and what seems likely to you versus unlikely? Uh, Luis Castillo, another one that obviously people are talking about that I don't think the Blue Jays have the pieces to get, but there's a lot, there's, there's some names, but I'm maybe, maybe it's just me and I find them a little underwhelming. Well, for one thing, the Red Sox aren't trading anyone to the Blue Jays because that's just not going to nope. happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's an interesting, I think that the only benefit for the Blue Jays, Red Sox, trading is that they obviously become easier competition to them. There's still a few more games against Red Sox, even though they've dominated them this year. And the Red Sox are trading guys away. means they're not going to be as hard to beat. Although the Blue Jays have had an easy time beating them so far. Um, The names that stand out, Quintana is one that I think would be kind of useful to Jays. And just in terms of like starter insurance depth, they really, we saw earlier on in July, like they do not have, guys that can come up from triple a and really get the job done other than who they already have on the roster which is max castillo has done the job that he's needed to i'm not sure you really want to be handing him the ball in huge situations and down the stretch or in the playoffs at all but if you need him to eat some innings if you need a spot start here and there uh he could do it he's shown that he could do it they are optimistic and hopeful they can get kikuchi back on track but that's obviously still a large big if he looked fine in his buffalo rehab start you don't like the three walks but i think those might have all come in the first inning or they came early on and then he straightened it out i think he put up zeros otherwise five might have been five strikeouts or so for him so encouraging we'll see if they give him one more outing in buffalo or if he's back with the club 
he won't be in this St. Louis series, but maybe beyond that. So Quintana is a name that I'm kind of intrigued about just because you talk about moving to the bullpen. He's done that and it allows them to maybe have some insurance for Kikuchi. But if Kikuchi straightens it out, then you maybe move Quintana to the bullpen. Then you're not asking Kikuchi necessarily because if you go and get like a bigger name, uh, a Castillo, I think the Blue Jays could have the pieces to do it. I think that's a matter of the Reds are probably going to have their pick of offer. So you know, last year with the Blue Jays pulling off the Brio deal, it was obviously they really wanted him, and I think they gave Minnesota the best package. Will the Blue Jays be able to deliver the best package for the Reds? Because I think there's going to be a lot of teams, the Yankees being one of them, there's going to be a lot of teams that want him, and they're going to have their their pick of him. And, and they also don't even have to trade him. I mean, his value won't be much higher than it is now, but they could move him in the off season. Um, they could move him next deadline. They wouldn't get as much for him, but they obviously have um, time on their side to some extent. They have some mm. options there. Um, so the starting pitching market, I kind of agree with your assessment that it's a little bit underwhelming and relief pitching is probably the more priority for the Blue Jays in the sense that I think they should go bigger there. I think they should get impact there. Whereas I think the starting pitching, they could probably get away with not necessarily getting impact, but just getting depth because that would almost be more useful for them. Mm -hmm. And they spend a little bit less and Quintana is not going to cost a huge amount because he is sort of a rental. Well, he is a rental, not sort of. Um, So he'll be, (laughs) he'll be, uh, he'll be a free agent at the end of the year. Um, So relief would be where I would suspect them to maybe go bigger, try and get impact because it's the area of the roster where you can probably impact the most. The starting pitching, you at least have three guys that you would feel pretty good about starting in a playoff series, especially the first two. Brios is he if he's been the Brios of late and the Brios of his career, notwithstanding the like April and May he had with the Blue Jays this year, you feel pretty good about that, especially if he's your third starter. You got Manoa and, and Gosman probably going one and two. I don't know what order you want to do it, but um that's to me pretty good for a playoff rotation. So Power relievers is where you can make make your most impact, I think. I think so. And I think the Blue Jays are better set up to make a deal like that as well. Because if you're th- talking about some of the top line starters, those are significantly impactful players during the playoffs. I know there's been a bunch of yeah. research. I think 538 did a big thing on that where like those guys can win you the World Series. They have an outsized impact in the playoffs. And s- as such, the price is high. The Blue Jays farm system is is being replenished. And as we mentioned, they, they signed uh, Brandon Barriera. They signed, uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, uh, Toman. John. Oh, uh, yeah. The other guy. He's a literal child. <laughs> the other child from high school. Um, yeah, they signed all their, still, right? all their top guys, uh, picks. But they don't have a lot of players who are, let's say, banging on the door of the big leagues. All the big league kind of guys who could step in and, and do a job or be right ready to go to, to the big leagues right away, they're already on the roster. So if you start looking to make a big move, you're going to have to take something away from the from the the club that's already there. Do you know what I mean? Like because the the young control like are short of 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 Gabber Gabby Moreno, what is there? Jordan Groshans, you know, the bloom is off that rose right now, I think, around the baseball industry. Uh, so there's just not a lot of guys other than Moreno and maybe Kirk, 
who could step in and and be the like the cornerstone of a big deal. And they're not trading Kirk, not today, not anytime Ricky, soon. Ricky Tiedemann is, I think, getting a lot of attention around the leagues. He obviously played in the Futures game, and he's been mm-hmm. a quick, fast riser, I guess, up the system. But mm-hmm. that being said, uh, the Blue Jays really like him, obviously. And yeah. I, I was having this discussion with a friend, and I think that if you're looking for, like, sometimes trade packages make most sense when they're, like, the same. Like, when they traded Brios, they were trading one of their top young pitching prospect starting pitchers. And I don't know if Simeon Woods Richardson will necessarily um, end up being a starter, but that's what he was. That's what he is in the minors. So, to me, I sort of can digest that, I guess, better when it's, like, you're getting, like, a major league starter um, for a future starter makes more sense but i have a harder time when it's like you might be trading a guy who's a starter for like a relief pitcher or you might be trading like a guy who's a starter for an impact bat like for me i find it harder because the blue jays don't have a ton of starting young starting pitching in their system and i think they have to keep what they have and so ricky tiedemann and tiedemann i think um Mm -hmm. is he's still kind of new and he's still so young but he's like he's might be the guy in a year's time he might be their top prospect and there, he has a lot of helium, as they would say, and he's been producing really well. Uh, he's had kind of three rougher-ish starts in a row for Vancouver, but he hasn't yet made his start at Double A. So while he is someone who's going to have a lot of cachet and a lot of interest, he's not the kind of player who's going to be at the forefront of one of these spectacular deals where. You know, uh, when think I think about the Mookie Betts deal or what's been said about Soto as an example, where it's like they want so, somebody like uh, Alex Verdugo who could like step in and be an everyday player, right. young and and Tiedemann has a lot. There's a lot of reason to believe in him, and obviously he's got a lot of a lot of clout right now. But again, not made a single start at Double A even yet. So. Yeah. Still quite a ways from the big leagues, which again I think I think is going to limit what they can do. But because of the uh, approach of the Blue Jays in terms of how they bulk up and build, you know, depth across the board, that does position them well. I think to your point, to go for a, a reliever option, maybe somebody with impact, or or just different kinds of 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 players who can chip in and 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 make that contribution again i don't know that they're going to be going for like a craig kimbrell type of like a name guy but there are plenty of guys that they can go for plenty of uh, a type i you know i think we all hope that they seek out um but they have the ability to make impactful but not you know like put everything into sort of blockbuster type trades because i just don't think that they're really in that position um like i I think that they did that trade and it was last year it was barrios right with yeah with martin has still having you know not having been exposed to as much of of as many professional looks maybe a lot of the the scouts hadn't had the chance to see him yet for an example which probably why the blue jays traded him when they are or groshans it's like he's been now been around a little bit and he's healthy enough that, that it's not just like, what if he's healthy, he'll be great. It's like, now he's healthy and he's okay. So not going to have the same sort of uh, uh, clout behind him. Speaking of okay, mm-hmm. the Cardinals it might just be okay because they don't have the two best players. They're missing the two best players. Crazy stuff. Uh, you know, Blue Jays fans are now, you know, very much accustomed to the idea of these uh, players not being able to come across the border because they haven't been vaccinated, which I wrote, there's there's a real these things have these 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 rhythms now where uh, it's 
becomes clear, oh, wait, this guy's been moved to the to the restricted lift list. And for yeah. the Cardinals, of course, it's Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, two of the best two. players in all of baseball. Yeah, and I would say uh, the Royals probably got the most attention because the amount of players that didn't come. Mm-hmm. But in terms of name players, uh, Real Muto was a pretty big name um, for the Phillies not coming. Mm-hmm. But having two all-stars, two of the – or two of their best players – not come that's pretty significant i think that's been i think i think like people were saying like these are the two biggest sort of stars to not come Mm -hmm. it's huge and uh, as i was saying it it kind of they fall we have this very familiar pattern now where oh this guy's not coming and the beat writer is like these guys aren't coming and then a bunch of people hop into their comments being like support their choice they got they made their personal (laughs) choice and you know you got to respect it it's a personal medical decision and they just and then and then what happens is there'll be a statement that will come out and but then what happens is they interview them and they get a camera recorder in front of them and that's where the whole thing goes to shit because when confronted with the need to justify or discuss or or even just mask why they did it as even though it's a and for a lot of these players, it's very much a political decision. Then they'll pretend like it's not. Just an absolute string of hollow, empty bullshit comes flying out of their mouths. Nolan Arenado, poor guy. I mean, I, I almost feel bad for him because he's not in a position to speak on these things, which is important to recognize that you don't aren't capable of making a this kind of medical decision. You don't have the tools to understand the research as much as uh, you talk to people and you hear things. And the idea that he was he he's trying to start a family and he's worried about his fertility and stuff just baddie just baddie billions of doses of this thing have been given out across the world billions with a b you're not special nolan arenado and neither are you paul goldschmidt and now they're out there missing these games it's only two games grand scheme of things cardinals probably going to be fine gives the blue jays an opportunity to maybe pick up a couple wins but the one thing i want to say and i i tweeted about this there's a long list of cardinals players tyler o'neill among them uh giovanni gallardo cardinals players who were not american citizens who had to get vaccinated for them to come and play for St. Louis. So it's important to remember that, that this, that this very, while well, I'm making a decision is a very privileged one indeed for these, for these loudmouth or goofy dudes who make these, this baffling non-choice and then now are putting their team at a disadvantage. What if Tyler O'Neill, what if Giovanni Gallardo, what if the long list of, of, of non-American, non-citizen players, Albert Pools is obviously Dominican, but I'm pretty confident he's an American citizen at this point. They didn't have that choice. They did what they needed to do for their community, for their health, and for their team. While these other guys make this kind of flippant, selfish decision that is bad for the community, bad for their team, and bad for their own health. So, sucks to suck. Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Blue Jays, hopefully, if you're a Blue Jays fan, we're going to take advantage of that. And because missing two of their two best players is a pretty significant thing. Mm-hmm. It's not nothing, not nothing missing like the two of the best players, two guys who are probably odds on favor to win the MVP in the National League this year. Yeah, I think so. So you also get this other you have all everything you lined up about the, the timeline of how the stories come out and all the comments come out. And then you always have this like sidebar where you have these players saying they are disappointed in Canada and they they don't want to let Canada tell them what to put in their body. And then you have that having happening and then you have the commenters saying 
you know, things on, about Canada and, you know, however we run our country here. And then you have the Canadian fans coming down and saying, it's the same rules in the U.S. And then this happens every single time, oh, yeah. too, is that we have to keep reminding people. I saw, like, our, your friend and mine and my colleague, uh, Trent, um, in Cincinnati, s- sent out a tweet, or a couple tweets. He was tweeting very funnily on a Sunday, but said this is your reminder that the same rules exist in the United States right now. And that's why it's been a uniquely sort of, I think there's been probably some foreign players that have been put on the restricted list. Um, but it actually has been a uniquely American issue because as you say, most of the foreign born players had to come back into the U S at the start of spring training. And to do that, they would have either had to, I'm not sure if you have what the U S quarantine rules are, but they, I think they need to be vaccinated to go into the U S um, and they obviously had to take care of that. So it has been mm-hmm. primarily American player uh, who have not been able to come to Canada and have had to fall under those rules. It is precisely that. And it's, it's, um, it's a shame that we're still having to talk about this. It's a shame that, that we are, for the most part, pretending like this thing is over when it's not. Uh, let's all wait for cold and flu season to kick in here in North America, especially those of us who live in Canada. Uh, hopefully we're not in for another rude awakening, but I would not be too terribly surprised. But that's a, another debate for another day. By the time that happens, the Blue Jays will already have won the World Series. So whatever. Everybody can get this, that, or the other. We'll be giving each other wild diseases all over the place anyway. But that's enough for today. We've gone on and on. Caitlin, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I'm glad that we are all well-rested and home safe and been through the travel and gauntlet. Now ready to take on the Blue Jays. Watching them take on the Cardinals and then the Tigers, which is one of my favorite series every year. I'm even going to be there. Right. Maybe you, Caitlin, and I can see each other in person for the first time in multiple, many years. I would be happy to come down and see you. I, yeah, I don't. They don't let me up there where you sit up and <laughs> up in the. Actually, I have been in that left field batter's uh, left field press box before when it was the auxiliary press box. Mm. I sat out there watching Masahiro Tanaka's first big league start, like the absolute redheaded stepchild that I am, just struggling along in the distance, being like, "Was that a strike?" Watching on TV, being like, "What is he throwing?" Anyway, it was a good time. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. My name is Drew Fair Service. We will talk to you next time. Me and Ricky Romero, in fact, later this week. It's been great.